0: You're listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. We're in the studios here at Red Sea, continuing our series of sessions on grief and grieving. And we've been talking uh, about what a person needs during grief. So let's continue on with that conversation.
1: Renee. what does it mean concerning our need to pay attention to our bodies and and what For what you need.
2: So during the grief process, often um, you're going to notice or experience maybe some changes with the physical body. And uh, that can look different for for everybody. Um, In terms of physical body, um, you might notice that you're having like uh, some sensations when you're grieving. Like you may feel like you're holding tension. In your shoulders or in your neck, um, or you may be experiencing a difficulty when you're sleeping of getting comfortable. Um, you may also notice um, stomach aches, you know, or a feeling of nausea. So sometimes uh, for some people, they're gonna carry sadness, uh, they're gonna carry guilt. You carry that maybe in your neck, the shoulders, your body. Sometimes if you feel guilty about something or you feel bad about something, you get a stomach ache. You know, I know often if I feel bad about something I've done, you know, I might feel a little nauseous and have a tummy ache afterwards. So you can literally feel grief uh, in your body. Um, And it's part of, too, that natural process that we've talked about. So, you know, being able to acknowledge it being able to acknowledge that this is part of the body healing from grief. Um, One of the other things that you may notice too is because of the uh, psychological, the emotional, the the spiritual pieces that come along with grief. That's how so much of your body is going to be affected. You may find yourself also having more headaches, Even body temperature changes, Um, I noticed, uh, you know, uh, when I was kind of in the morning process or the, uh, I'm sorry, the grief process, I found myself being cold a lot. It was really interesting because that's not, I'm very hot natured, but I found myself to be kind of cold and I would just kind of have to like warm myself up sometimes or put a blanket on me. And I did struggle with some headaches, and I think that was a lot of that was just the overthinking. So pay attention to what your body needs. Hydration—we talked about that in another segment. About um, they've you know demonstrated that uh, fluids are important to the body. Now we want to be careful of the fluids we're putting in our body. Not necessarily alcohol. Um, let's stick to maybe some water and, and some things that are good to you know good for us—juices and things like that. Um, to help the body recover, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of like an athlete and me saying that your body's recovering. You know, you think about an athlete that's out there working out, working out, and then they have to drink a Gatorade or water to kind of recover the body. And the same thing is happening to you during the grief process. Our bodies are just taking on so much hurt, so much pain. Um, and so we need to make sure that we are hydrated and taking care of ourselves.
0: This is uh, Renee Brown, who is our Director of Counseling for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, um, Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin and the Restorative Justice Ministry, and along with us today is Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our Director of uh, uh, Coordinator of Pastoral Care in the Gatesville region. And um, as you mentioned these things about the body, one thing that certainly pops into mind as people of, of God's church is the body of Christ. Pay attention to the body of Christ. For those of us who find ourselves isolated because of COVID, uh, it might be military deployment, it might be our flock that's incarcerated, or even the officers who are working there, that you have a sense of, I'm not so sure that I'm all that connected, and here I am in this, this monumental task of grieving. Well, pay attention to you as the body of Christ. And what I mean by that is, number one, that you're not alone, that you walk with the entire universal church, and she with you. It may not feel like it in a physical sense, but when we open our hearts and our belief, our faith to the truth of the presence of the body within us and ourselves as that presence as well, paying attention to that can definitely provide a sense of companionship, of comfort, of strengthening, of I'm not alone in this thing. I am walking as one of the church, and the church is walking with me in my oneness as well. Um, Remembering that uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ are, are very definitely with you in the journey, even though they may not be able to see you face to face, that that's a real reality, that in the Spirit of God, that unity that we share in our belief in Jesus Christ and our practice of the sacraments and our sense of the spirit guiding us together, uh, that's your body as well. And so let that work for you. Uh, Allow that to work for you. And for those of us who are not in the grieving process, for us to pay attention to the body, meaning other members of the church who may be in the grieving process, and though it might be something where we'd rather say, I wish you'd just get over it so I don't have to feel these awkward feelings, pay attention to the body's needs that are your friend that's there in your same dorm or cell block or uh, in your unit, whatever it might be, so that you're attending to them in their need and kind of stepping outside of your own needs, even though awkwardness may be a part of assisting somebody who is going through the grieving process. One of the things
1: as Father was talking uh, just now, uh, I thought about the uh, gospel account of um, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and, uh, and they have left Jerusalem uh, because of what? A, a tragic death. I mean, <laughs> our leader has died. And so they're, they're on the way, and who but no one less than our Lord Himself walks with them and begins to talk about, opens in the scripture, and it's at night they, they go to uh, sup with Him, and, and it's in the breaking of the bread. And from there, they don't go on, they return. They return back to where? Jerusalem. And so it is that, that those those tragic events in our lives uh, oftentimes become calls for us to redirect, to return, to go back to uh, a deeper relationship with our God and with each other.
2: You know, as you all were talking, one of the things when we're talking about paying attention to your body, it made me think of like the Eucharist, right? Right. And you take the Eucharist, and it's nourishment for your body. You know, it's God nourishing you, and you take that with you for a whole week. And, and sometimes the way I think about it, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but for me, it's like a rebirth for a new week, right? That's truly how I feel like in that moment right after. It's like being reborn week after week after week and taking that in and nourishing my body with God and his word. And so I think it speaks so good to paying attention to your body.
0: As you are doing that, it can become wearisome, like those of us who have to do physical therapy after once again, our body has uh, kind of had a a malfunction of one kind or another, but that's happening at a spiritual level and also at our mental emotional level as well. We can reach that point where we say those prayers were good, Father, and that scripture was good, Father, and it was nice that I got communion, Father. But you know what? Today, I'm just not sure that all of this is going to work for me. And I wanted to uh, bring us to this point of of talking about trusting in the process of grief itself. Um, Convince me. You know, I, why should I trust in this? Because I'm really kind of starting to feel like I don't have any gas left in my grief tank, and yet I'm not done with this yet. And I've got people continuing to tell me, you should just be over this. So why should I trust this at all?
2: Well, I, I think because the grief process is a natural process. This isn't something that was just created by, by a bunch of counselors and it's going to work. This isn't like that, that. You know, ten steps to being wealthy, kind of thing. You know, this is something that people have studied, and it does seem to be the natural process for for grieving. It is that denial. It is, um, you know, maybe bargaining. You know, being depressed. You know, having that that maybe that sadness and depression, and then to the end with that acceptance. Um, <clears throat> when you talk to others they're going to have a similar experience, you know, with um, the process of grief. And so trusting not just what other people have had, but I mean, in that process, if you look at every single step in that process, God is in every part of that process as well. You know, he is there to help you through each thing you're going to experience. So when you're in that part of denial— you know, this can't be really happening, you know, trust that that God is there to support you in that thinking. I mean, he realizes this is going to be something natural for us to think as well. He is going to be present in every one of the pieces of the grief process. I think it's also important to know that <clears throat> it has its own timing, So one person can go through that grieving process maybe in a matter of weeks or months, and somebody else, it may take longer. It may take a lifetime. I don't know, just kind of talking to different people, I don't know that grief has an end, right? I think we get very caught up in, um, you know, um, impulsive, right? And and we're just a a nation of people that want everything instantly, right? I want to feel good now. I don't want to deal with this. I just want to feel good. I think that's probably how a lot of people get into drugs and alcohol is either escape or I just want to feel good. I want this to be over. I don't want to feel bad. And all of the steps in the grief process are important. They take you to different levels of what what needs to be dealt with, so to speak. And it's all about timing. It can never be the same for any person. I always describe it to my clients as kind of a, and it it just kind of ebbs and flows, right? So it's kind of like the ocean. You know, if you've ever been to the ocean, sometimes the water, if you watch it, it just ebbs and flows. Sometimes it crashes. Sometimes it's very calm. To me, that is grief. There are days when you'll be triggered by a memory or a thought, it could be a smell, it could be anything. And all of a sudden, you're in a moment with that person, And you love them and you miss them. And then at other times, you know, it's just like they're not here, but I'm okay with that. So I think so much of it is about timing. um, And then just trusting yourself um, to get through the process and, and trying to create an emotionally safe environment for yourself. I think that's the key to the process personally is you have to have people around you that you're going to trust and you're going to feel safe with emotions. And if you don't have people around you that are safe for your emotions, then that is definitely the time to be talking to God, right? That is that is who you can trust with anything and everything. And so if you're in a situation where you don't have people around you, then that's that's the person to go to, Um for healing to happen, it is important that you be able to express emotion. Another thing you could do, too, is if you don't want to talk to the people around you because you don't have a safe environment, you know, writing things down can can be helpful. You know, mailing a letter to a friend, keeping a journal if you feel like it's going to be safe. Uh, journaling is one of the most therapeutic things people can do uh, to kind of help. And, and write, you know, like about the denial stage you know what is that like for you Um, what is it like that you can't seem to come to grips with the fact that this person is gone when you're in that anger stage you know what are you angry about and even if you're angry at God or you're angry at the person for leaving write about that because it's going to give you a lot of insight and wisdom to where you're at um, in the process
0: one thing I would definitely want to promote in, in that trust phase is that what this is not about is returning to how things were. Things have changed now. That's part of where the grief is coming from. Mm-hmm. We don't like change. And um, to to put a false or a uh, kind of misconceived goal set on that. I'm going to be done with my grieving when everything goes back to the way that it was. And that's not going to happen. So what happens instead? Transformation. And that is what God is constantly about in our midst through the work of the Holy Spirit. The, the sacraments and that work of the Spirit that the sacraments bring into our lives. It is to transform us ever more into the image and likeness of God to prepare for that time when we see him face to face. And so letting God have that agenda of where things are going, because they're going that way anyway, that's how it's going to work, and allowing the grief, process that I hear you spell out so beautifully for us to be in the hands of God and to to drop the personal need to say, I've got to see this through in my way. Well, let's do it in our way, the way of God within us, the way of us within the life of of God, um, to, to say What's going to happen here is not a return to what used to be, but is' going to be a me that can now live with this reality. And Deacon Ronnie has spoken about this many times. I've heard him preach about it many times about staying with what's real, not creating a fantasy, uh, not wanting to say, I can't deal with the present reality. So I'm just going to cook up something that I think I can deal with and live out of that because that's what I think I need. Let that go. Uh, Trust that God's love is part of what the grieving process is about to bring you And us to a new place, and that that new place is going to be okay, and that it's going to be a place that we couldn't have even imagined until we went through this process, Um, like that uh, scripture reading from St. John's Gospel that I read in the previous session, when a woman is in labor, she is in anguish because her hour has arrived, but when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the pain because of her joy that a child has been born into the world. That's the new reality. A child has been born into the world. Now, I'm I'm sure any number of our ladies that have born children might take issue with St. John's Gospel there and say that they did not uh, forget that pain right away because a child had been born. Um, And that's okay, too, because that's that's a reality that comes with that great uh, work that the ladies do for us in bringing uh, new life into the world. But nevertheless, just to allow yourself the grace to say— we're not returning to, to that again, but we're going in a new direction through this work that's called grieving that's going to be even better because, as Renee has said so many times in our sessions up to now, we're trust it because this is the way we're made. God has given this to us as a gift. It may not feel like it, just like it may not when you're in in, in your third hour of contractions. But at the same time, what's going to happen is something beautiful and good and life-giving, and that's what our God is about.
1: And I think uh, the fact that the trust coupled with a, a daily and I'd even add persistent uh, practice of, of, of prayer, particularly um, because a lot of times we, we may be praying for something, we're asking God to, to take this, this grief from me, whatever it may be. And, and, and you say, nothing's happening. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, but um, I think St. Augustine can help us with that in the sense that he, he tells us that sometimes when we've been praying and praying and praying and nothing's moving, uh, sometimes God has us way uh, so that our hearts can expand, our hearts can change. And We can better receive the things that he has planned for us. So we, we, have, we have to trust that process, but we have to be committed to that process mm-hmm. as well and be persistent.
0: And that's one of the things that I would want to tip my cap to all of our incarcerated listeners. The one thing that you all have that a lot of us out in the free world do not is practice at waiting and at being able to manage day in and day out, to week in and week out, to month in and to month out, and year in and year out, to the amazement of those of us on the outside who get impatient with 30 seconds of waiting for popcorn to pop in the microwave. And yet here you are having navigated a framework of life to where you're keeping yourself in a a good order as, as best as you can, and you've Put this life in front of you that that your sentence represents, and yet you're letting us in to your life to bring God's Word, to bring the sacraments of the church, to bring the, the wisdom of, of, of the teaching authority of the church into your life of waiting. And it's uh, trust me, as those of us who come in and out of your lives, uh, we're picking up on that and we're bringing it back out here and reminding ourselves, well, gee, in the body of Christ, there are many souls who live the incarcerated life every single day who are teaching the body how to be patient. Uh, with the things of life, when really uh, more and more out in, in the world, we're, we're given products and services and and uh, ways of looking at, at life around us that says everything needs to be in a hurry. Everything needs to be done yesterday. And yet that's not what ultimately is is going to assist us when we're trying to take control over things that really we need to be putting into the hands of God and being satisfied with that.
2: You know, um, I sh- I've shared with you all before that uh, my son is currently incarcerated. And one of the things that I often say to him is just go up on that mountain and rest, right? And just rest and give it to God and let him handle stuff. And I think as people, uh, to speak to your point, Deacon Ronnie, we give stuff to God, but we have this habit of taking it back, right? Don't take it back. Just leave it to him, and he's going to help you get through whatever you're trying to get through. You know, um when I was thinking about our notes for this segment, one of the things that just struck me is we're you know, I've said a lot about grief or, or shared, you know, my personal situation with grief, with the passing of my father, which was a beautiful relationship. But there are people out there who will lose somebody and maybe the relationship wasn't great. And so I, I you know, I don't want to pass up an opportunity to to mention that because So many people do lose people who they love, but maybe the relationship was not healthy or, you know, a good relationship. And so sometimes, you know, we have to be um, cognizant of asking for what we need. And sometimes, you know, the grief process or grieving in general is complicated because uh, a person died, but maybe there was a difficult relationship there. Or it could be multiple losses and multiple losses when I'm talking right now, means two things. So we had a family friend that they literally lost eight family members in one year. Eight family members. Part of it was COVID, and then others were just, you know, um, one. I think one of the other per- persons in the family had cancer. That is a lot. That's actually my grandson's other grandmother, that they've lost eight people. And so just very challenging when you think about that. But in terms of... If you're if you've lost somebody and there was a difficult relationship, there's multiple losses to that, because it's not just the person. It's the relationship. It's the it's maybe the the fantasy that at some point that relationship you could repair and would be better. Or sometimes we build fantasies of how we want somebody to be instead of the reality of who they are. And then we've built this picture, and so it's a loss when they're gone. Oh, I can't get that marriage back, or I can't get that marriage back on track, or my son passed away, and oh, my gosh, I'm never going to have that relationship again. We were separated for years, and now they've passed, and now I can't build that relationship. So sometimes there's different layers to that grief and loss that maybe um, I didn't present in the other segments, and so I just want to make sure that I'm respectful to that.
1: And Renee, I, m- I might just say to that that I'm very careful um, personally about uh, when I encounter someone that maybe we, we've, 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 you and I have both lost our fathers. But I'm very careful to say uh, I know how you feel because I can't possibly know how you mm-hmm. feel because of what you just described, the different relationships and, and aspects of that. But I can say I understand sure. because we've all had that that experience.
2: hmm Often what I'll tell people, my, my, my best friend was a great example of this. We both had lost our fathers a year between each other. She didn't have an exceptionally close relationship with her father. so and, and they did have a lot of tension between them. And so her loss experience was different because it was like we never were able to get our relationship where she wanted it to be. So it's completely different where my dad was just probably my everything, right? The man was on a pedestal kind of dangerous. I need to go get my own counseling. Right. But um, um, so it was very different. And so one of the great things was she never said to me, I know how you feel. It was always, well, we've both lost a dad, but it was never, I know how you feel because she knew essentially very different feelings about her parents. So I think it's always lovely when people can just be, I understand, you know, so you're giving that validation, but yet not making it similar.
0: I like to actually say it out loud. That was one of the things I remember from seminary among many um, was to, to really avoid saying the words, I know just how you feel, even though that may not really be what you meant. You're trying to say instead I've been – I've experienced something similar, so I have a sense. So, so we'll just say it out loud. You know, I, I don't know how you feel. Uh, you know, I've lost my father as well. I lost mine on December 19th to, to COVID, and and still I'm in those early stages of, of grieving his loss. Um, but you don't know how the other person feels, but you can tell them I've 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 suffered something similar mm-hmm. with them as well, and and uh, and go there with them. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Renee, when you brought that you know multi-tier uh, kind of you know eight people at one time. And we find that in the prison system a lot. There'll be people Mm -hmm. that they've they've got their uh, adult children in prison as well or uh, things are going wrong with their grandchildren or whatever. If I'm having to grieve several things at the same time, do I need to, like, get a grid and and say, okay, with this one, I'm I'm over here and that one, I'm over there? Can I expect myself to be at the same stage in all the different losses or how do you how do you juggle all that?
2: Right. It's that's it's very challenging. And so really honestly, would be to kind of look at the people you've lost. So for instance, in in the family that lost like eight people in a year, um, you know, when I was talking to Teresa, you know, it was kind of like, which one is the most prevalent for you? And it was her father, you know, because she lost a couple of cousins, but it wasn't as close. And she lost a brother, you know, and then she had a couple other cousins. So was kind of creating it sounds like a hierarchy more or less and so it was like she was feeling some of it, definitely going through that grieving process for her father and brother but maybe she didn't have some of those uh processes for some of her cousins that she just wasn't as close to so there may not have been the anger but there was that denial of oh my gosh we've lost another family member i've lost this is my fourth cousin so definitely that denial piece Her anger wasn't, it was there, but not for an extended time, like her father and her brother. And so she was able to do those grief processes with everybody. It's just maybe they were, um, some places in that process were more significant for some people than others. And it was just trying to kind of balance all of it out.
0: I would also want to add, too, again, I'm looking into the ritual book here. Right, it's right in front of me for the celebration of uh, people's lives when they have gone before us to, to be with the Lord. And um, at the very end of the Mass of Christian Burial, there's a, what they call the invitation to prayer. And they give you a couple of options here. There's an A and a B. And they're both really good, I think, for getting us back into this is something that I'm going to walk through. There's no choice, but I don't have to go kicking and screaming. I can allow myself to say, God is with me on this one. God is giving me the framework. And in the very prayer of the church, I get to let that comfort me and give me a sense of being able to continue on. and And this is how uh, this is the first one. Before we go our separate ways, let us take leave of our brother or sister. May our farewell express our affection for him or her. May it ease our sadness and strengthen our hope. Right embedded in the prayer, there's a, a series of petitions. So but, but we're keeping it real. We're, go, we're going our separate ways. We're taking leave. Uh, our farewell expresses our affection, and we have sadness, and, and we we hope for for uh, to be strengthened. One day we shall joyfully greet him or her again. When the love of Christ, which conquers all things, destroys even death itself, and that's so easy to overlook when you've been through an entire massive Christian burial as the family members, you're you're emotionally wrought out. All those things. But to get to hear that now in this setting is why I wanted to share it with our listeners because you can take that to yourself and really let it, let it be real. Let that love of Christ, which conquers all things, destroy even death itself. And if you're not prepared to, to really let that happen, allow yourself to start digging back again and saying, what do I really believe here? Has that been discombobulated by this time of grief? Well, maybe it has, but I'm going to go back into the well that has always been my faith, the love that I believe that the Lord has for me, and as a result of that, I am going to get through this, and I am going to reach a place of transformation where I'll never be the same as I was before, but I'm going to be that person that God has made me to be, and having gone through this grieving, become an instrument of grace in the lives of other people as well. I want to thank Deacon Ronnie and Miss Renee to, for being with us. We have a, another session that we'll be getting to very shortly. We thank everybody for listening today, and may Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brother, will you walk with me?